Welcome back, everyone, to the Reflex Blue Show. I am your host, Donovan Beery, and I have with me, what is it? Is this about three-fifths of grain and mortar? Mm, yep. Yeah, give or take. Somebody's got to be back there working. So. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Eric Downs, Kristen Decay, and Jesse Harding. How are you, how are you all doing? Good. You, got, Good. you guys are located in the, in the, is it Little Bohemia? Yes. Yep. In yeah. Omaha, that area, right next to what was the Bohemian Cafe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which which I obviously haven't eaten at since for a while since it's been closed. But but my aunt would come into town and and that's where she want to meet because it was like first stop. Nice. It's really the only time I ate there. Nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't think, think anybody I in our generation actually went there. there. I think yeah. it's only it's only it's one of those places where your parents or your grandparents went there and talked about how good it was. But in actuality, I don't know that it really was that good. I don't know. It well, was a staple though. Well, I will mention I went there every time my older relative. Met me in town. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> ordered a salad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the old mystery bookstore building now. I don't know if anyone remembers that. But. Yeah. So it's basically 13th and William, and it's it's a real interesting neighborhood. We, you know, purchased the building, what, the day after Thanksgiving last year? Yep. Was it? And so, you day know, Day before. Day, day before, before Thanksgiving. It's a 130-year-old building, and it needed some love. Yes. So we went through a, a relatively extensive renovation process, which was actually fun. I mean, it has its stressful moments when you start taking apart a building like that. Like, you don't know what you're going to get. Bad surprises that cost money and got granny mortar all situated and then, you know, immediately started sort of putting the store together, which is now Vincent Outfitting. And we've been running them in tandem for the last few months and been a hectic few months, but that's but it's really fun, too. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the building and Vincent, but but we should probably skip back a little bit. For those listeners who don't know, Grain and Mortar is a graphic design and website. You guys really specialize in websites that I've seen online. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you've been around since, I was trying to figure this out, has it been 2011 or is it before that? Yeah, 2011, uh, summer of that year we started, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, brand strategy and design is what we say we do for sure, and you know, we definitely have a focus on web. It's always been something we've really enjoyed doing, and you know, then you sort of, you know, you get the type of work you show. And so, I think because we put out, you know, a lot of web work, we get known for that. And um, we still do everything, you know, other traditional stuff. We do a lot of branding and the naming and things like that. Traditional print pieces. It's just not as not as often, which is fine by us. We've kind of found our niche. I think it works for us, and the team's happy, and that's what's important. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some. Well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you go out, like when you guys. No, you guys got together. It was originally it was Eric Downs. You had your own company, right? And and Kristen, you and Mike had uh-huh. your own company. Yeah. And I forget what what yours was called. And it was Downs Design, so yep. that's easy. We were Image Made. Yep. Image so, Made. Yep. And and you guys seem to just keep working on the same projects together. And and somehow Jesse got roped in. He tried <laughs> to leave to San Francisco. <laughs> But he somehow got wrote back, from what I understand. He has always been on payroll. <laughs> he has never not been on payroll. <laughs> it doesn't matter where he lives. He's just It's always... a good setup. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, how does he work this out? I don't know. And yeah, so you've been with you've been with uh, Grain and Mortar since, I guess, 2011. Yeah, pretty early on. Uh, I think it was 12, yeah. It was like right after, yeah, maybe like six months after we yeah. he came moved down as the hallway. An, yeah. As an intern, and actually the story goes back farther than that. If you care to know it. Sure, let's hear, let's hear. (laughs) So I was driving down the street one day and I get a call from some kid who turned out to be Jesse. And he says, I want to, I want you to help me make this website for this. Was it like travel? It wasn't travel or like things that you were trying to. I think it was just like a blog. Oh, is that what it was? Like a blog. And 
Oh, even oh. worse. I want to help you make. The, yeah. I, want, I want you to help yeah. me make a blog. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the oh, do I hang up now? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I kind of knew who he was because you know at the time there was no Instagram really. It was just Twitter, and maybe I was we were following each other on Twitter or something, and and I was like, well, it it can be expensive, you know. Like <laughs> I have a business to run, and he was like, well, how much? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe at the time it was like four, five thousand dollars, depending on how complex it is, and I'm. He's like, okay, cool. And I was like, I, I'm just going to ask, like, where would you get this money from? Like, because I'm just thinking, where's this kid? Like, how's this 19, 18 year old kid got 4G sitting around to drop on a blog? And he's like, oh, well, I'll just take out a loan or something. Like, that's what I, he was saying. And I was like, appreciated the, the cost of good design. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no way. I, I said, okay, how about this? I said, how about if you come and, you know, intern with me and help me out on some stuff, and then I'll actually show you, like, we'll go through the process together. So you're actually designing it, and then I'll help you code it. And then that sort of turned into, like, an internship. And uh, I had seen a few little pieces of work that he was working on. I think it came from, like, when he was taking some classes at Metro, and I showed those guys. I was like, this kid's really good. And he's, like, 18 years old. And now I'm uh, wondering who's on whose payroll. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then we just haven't been able to get rid of them since. Yeah, yep. so stuck with me. I should have never answered the phone. That's the moral <laughs> story. Don't so, answer your phone. Yeah, so a bit serendipitous, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you, when you guys started, you were in the Mastercraft building. You moved, which is which is in what is it, North Downtown? Is that what they call North Downtown Omaha? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it? Yeah. No yep. doubt. Yeah. No, no doubt. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that term That's got what rejected. To call it. Uh, back well, now in the day. it's, it's going to be called Millwork Commons, I think. Yeah, just that building. Oh, just the building. Yeah. Okay, just Ash. So. I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and and you guys were there for probably five years or so, but but you did move from one room to the next. Well, we started at camp actually in two thousand and ten. Yeah. yeah. So we were we were there for seven years, mm-hmm. eight years, almost. Yeah, almost eight years. Yeah, their longest their longest tenant by far. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was great actually. We really like that building. It just the the cost of <laughs> leasing is you know pretty pricey, and you know we we always had an interest in like I think we had said you know in the first year or two that we had kind of set our sights on if we ever found ourselves in a position where we could purchase you know a property whether that be a building or whatever it would be in the studio's best interest obviously you know so to have some assets under your belt, which usually doesn't happen in our industry, you know, and so here we are. So Okay, we're going to be right back with the story of opening opening your own shop, I guess, building-wise, and yeah. then opening up a, uh, you have a retail operation right next door. We'll be right back with Kristen, Eric, and Jesse. All right, so you're leasing a space for like seven years, and you decide all of a sudden, hey, let's buy like a, let's buy a, what'd you say, 135-year-old building? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we're thinking. Yeah, we, I mean, we just kind of put out some feelers with some people that we knew, um, Ryan Ellis from PJ Morgan, and just said, hey, we're looking to buy a building for, like, really cheap. <laughs> and if you have any really cheap buildings, like, let us know. And we were actually kind of looking at 13th and William, like, that area, just kind of in the back of our head, we thought, you know, that'd be kind of a cool area. And What, what was it about what was it about that area that, like, like how do you go about, because when you're buying a building... You're thinking we're going to be here for a while. Yeah. Or we're hoping to be here. Yeah. We're not. We're not. We're not signing for five years. We're signing for you know. Yeah. For for life. Yeah. <laughs> signed for life. Um, well, I'll let Jesse take that one because he kind of had some thoughts on the neighborhood beforehand. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's always had a lot of really great character and sort of the bones are are really good. There's a lot of 
old architecture that's been pretty well preserved, even if it in the last 10, 15 years, the, the, that main kind of main street sort of went downhill or was sort of dormant for a while. And it's one of the oldest neighborhoods in, in Omaha. And I think the history was really what attracted us to the to the neighborhood. Yeah. And it was an easy sell for me. I As soon as Jesse was like, hey, what about this area? I was like, yep, I'm down because when I first moved to Omaha, we would always go to the donut stop. And I just love that street. I love like the where the science route, Christian science reading room or whatever was like that building is really cool. Like all those windows, bay windows. It's just just unique architecture in Omaha that you don't really see except for on that strip. And so I just kind of have always loved that area of town. Proximity to the old market is great. There's a quick access to the interstate, quick access to Bellevue. So it's just really nice, you know, it's a nice area. It's hard not to look at that street and not see the potential. Yeah. Yeah. And we did, we looked around, I mean, like Benson and Blackstone, and we actually even made an offer on a small little building in Benson. In retrospect, it didn't, didn't work out. They didn't want to go forward with it. But I think, you know, we, we landed exactly where, you know, we should have, and, and we're happy about that. And there's just other, you know, stuff like, you know, I think that you can see when a neighborhood's on the on the upswing. You can just kind of feel it, especially when you've lived here as long as some of us have. And, you know, I think there's, you know, neighborhoods that are already pretty saturated, which obviously drives up the cost. And they've already kind of formed who they are. And I think we really like the idea that Little Bohemia is still, like, going through this transition to, like, figure out who it's going to be and what its personality is. And, you know, not just specific to the building, but, like, the idea of being part of that neighborhood is really intriguing to all of us. So... Now, now, when you guys were in the Mastercraft, you'd actually expanded and you'd had, like, you went from, from the space running, you, you, like, doubled the space there. You've been through the, the aspect of that when you sign a place, you may, your company may change in size a bit. Mm-hmm. How, how is that? Now, when you're buying a building, you, you, you guys are kind of buying one that's a little more landlocked, where, where you don't have just, what, three blocks of building to expand in, yeah. in yeah. or out of. Was, was that any consideration, like, how large of a scale you wanted to... To, to build into? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, our building is 1,800 square feet, so it's small. But we've traveled a lot, with, you know, for business and gone to see a lot of our clients' workspaces. And you should see, like, in San Francisco and New York, I mean, there's all these tiny little rooms. And, like, they've got, like, 50 people working on it. It's, it's crazy. And so in Omaha, I think we think, you know, we need a big space. We need a room to spread out. But really, I mean, I think that we could be comfortable with 10 people like in our spot. I think as a business, we're, we're really happy with the size that we're at right now. And so um, we're not really looking to hire, I guess, in you know, the next few years, um, at least extensively. So I think that we'll have more than enough space for what we need. Um, and if not, you know, there's always more buildings to buy and renovate and turn into an office space. <laughs> and I think that I'm, for one, I'm really excited about that fact. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see. You know, we have a perfect retail location because of the storefront, the design of it. And we're just right on the main strip where... Um, who knows? Who who knows what we may open up in the next few years? Well, that's, well, that's the other thing. You guys, you guys have also opened up a Vincent Outfitting company. Did I get, did I get the name right? Yes. Yep. And and what's by the way for for those listening, it's it's grainandmortar.com. Yes. Yes. And then what's what, does Vincent have a website? Yes. Yep. yep. Vincentoutfitting.com. Vincentoutfitting.com. Yep. So was it because when you guys were looking for a space, were you guys deciding, hey, we should also open up a retail, or did that kind of come in? in when when you actually found the building itself that you're like what are we going to do with twice the space that we need 
Yeah, that's a great question. We we actually knew that we had a we were in process with the store before we um, found the perfect building <laughs> for this you know two build two company thing. Yeah, I mean it was it was kind of all in our minds already, and yeah. we had a kind of business plan worked out, and um, not a lot had progressed once we found the building and realized that it could be ours. Then you know we really kicked it up into gear and started really forming the, the company. So. Now, when part of the reason I wanted to have you guys on the show, because I think this is great, because we always talk about, hey, we should do more than just design. So people think about opening up shops. We've had other people on that have opened up stores in, in the past. But what, what was it where, where you guys, did Eric just show up without pants on one day? And you're like, <laughs> it what, does if happen. We, what if we open up a clothing store, then we'll have <laughs> pants at the ready? Or what was what was the reasoning behind, was, was somebody like dressing sloppily and you're like, <laughs> we, we need to like drop them a hint? <laughs> We'll yeah. just we'll just we'll just do this you know slyly by opening up an entire men's clothing store. Was was there? These was are there all good like scenarios. Yes. These, are all, <laughs> these are these are the things you that you can just when pick I, from one of them. When I see when I see grain and mortar opens men's clothing store, this the, these are the only things I can think <laughs> of as reasonings. Yeah. No, it's I'm sure Jesse has some thoughts too, but you know it's it's this really interesting thing. I mean. You know, we we do like to do a lot of stuff. I mean, we're entrepreneurs, I think, by heart from from running, you know, grain and mortar and just, you know, being entrepreneurial in spirit. And not that we, you know, aren't fulfilled by our current work. I think, you know, you hear this a lot. Like if you can get the opportunity to do something different that produces a revenue stream that helps to fulfill you creatively, you know, you should kind of go for it. And so, yeah, there's kind of various pieces to it, but I think overall, we, Jesse, Mike, and I in particular, you know, I mean, obviously, we're the three men in the partnership, like, kind of found ourselves a lot of times, like, going out of town to buy our clothes because we couldn't find things here that we liked or that couldn't fit or, you know, and some of them was just big brands, you know, big brands like Filson and, you know, Danner, they, you know, they don't really have that many sort of locations that they, you know, retail, and so we, you know, kind of wanted to see if we could bring some of those brands in. Um, so a lot of it, it's kind of, I'd say, like a labor of love and a selfish thing where we started looking at the things that we already wore and that we liked. And, you know, Jesse started reaching out to some of these brands to see if it was even realistic that they would let a tiny little shop like us, let alone some folks that haven't never done it before, carry their stuff. And they were actually, they took to it really well. And so yeah, that's kind of where it came from. Well, and I think that's one of the unique advantages that as designers we had was at for most of these brands, like the the most precious thing they have is is like the brand their brand itself, and so they want to make sure that whoever it is is being a good steward of that brand, and that it'll be in good company with like the other brands that are in the shop, and the the overall just decor of the shop that it makes sense and looks like it fits, and and so I think that's where we were sort of at a kind of strategic advantage, um, and why we were able to get some brands that maybe hadn't otherwise established a presence here in Omaha yet. Yeah. I think for me, it always comes back to travel. When we're traveling and we would go shopping or go to these little neighborhoods that are so unique in New York or San Francisco or Boston, and you, you go into the men's stores or, or women's stores, and, um, and you just think, oh, why don't we have something like this here? We need to have something like this in Omaha. We're, we're a big enough city. We could do this. So. Yeah. What do, you, what do you consider Vincent Outfitter's niche then? Like what, what's what's kind of if, if somebody says why should I shop at this yeah. clothing store or the other what's 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 the niche here? Uh, yeah, I mean I think we'd probably all answer the question a little differently. I think you know for one it's a men's clothing store. I mean we did make a a very intentful decision that 
there was the most opportunity for men because three of us, you know, are men. It, you know, realistically, like somebody has <laughs> and, to. And you're the ones not wearing pants to the office. Yeah. need to be. <laughs> I have a lot of pants. I just don't wear them to work. Yeah. But you know, I like some. You know, honestly, like somebody has to curate the store. You know, and somebody has to like know the brands and know how they fit. And you know, it would be really hard for us three guys to curate a women's store because we just we're just not that familiar, right? Like most of the time, we don't wear women's clothes. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the niche, I mean, coming back to it, yeah, obviously the demographic is, is men's store, which there aren't a lot in Omaha. And then also just the brands that we carry have really a common denominator and or a few common denominators. And that's that we try to look for things that are made in the USA that are made sustain, sustainably. So, for example, Taylor Stitch is one of the companies we carry. And really it's... Um, you know, they make a huge effort towards sustainability in the way that they produce their clothing. So one of their t-shirts is like a waterless t-shirt. So it takes however many gallons of water to produce a regular t-shirt. Well, some of Taylor Stitch's items are, are way lower on that spectrum. So it's just a more sustainable, eco-friendly option where that's really not their main selling point, but it's a huge, it's a huge piece for us. Um, and then, of course, just the quality behind everything. Uh, Filson has been around, you know, since 1897, and they have consistently made some of the highest quality clothing, and you know, for the last <laughs> over 100 yeah. years. So it's just kind of amazing, um, you know, for us to be able to carry something like that is really yeah. awesome. And um, we stand behind the product. We believe in the product. It's not just like, oh yeah, here's a shirt. I don't really know anything about it. You know, it's when you come in, we're going to, we're going to kind of nerd out on you a little bit about the clothing and yeah. it's going to last you a while. So, yeah, I always describe it to people as, you know, it's well-made menswear, you know, it, which sounds like pretty straightforward, but I think we take it for granted that the quality of clothes has gone down and that you buy these garments and they don't last that long. And, you know, we'd really like to see even people shift their mindset from like, you know, the amount of pieces of clothing they buy to less pieces that are of more value. And, you know, again, this isn't, this is something that we understand in the design business, which is price is one thing and value is another, you know, and so encouraging people to look at things from a value perspective. If I buy this, you know, these pair of jeans, how much longer will they last me? If I buy this coat, will I get to keep it forever, quite literally? And there's a lot of stuff in the store that you'll be hard pressed to outlive it, you know, and so that, that's something that's, you know, really important to us. I mean, yes, that bumps the price tag up a little bit, but Again, if you look at it through the lens of value versus price, I, I, I think it's, you know, much more realistic. And that's the way that we try and buy our clothing. That's the way we run our design business, right? So there's all these interesting parallels that kind of come to a head when you start looking at something like this. And, you know, it's just transferred into like, you know, a physical product, you know, versus, you know, something we've already done. And so I think all those are kind of learning lessons that we've known all these years and we're just really transferring some of the those mentalities over into what we're doing with Vincent, you know, even the way we treat people and, you know, there's a huge educational component to the store, not only because people haven't seen these brands before sometimes, but a lot of people don't understand what raw denim is, which is totally cool. And we're more than happy to explain it to them. And, um, and so that's really what, fun. what is raw denim? So raw denim is like, you know, it's a way that denim was initially made what in the sixties ish where it was not treated, right? It's never been, you know, sort of run through, never been washed or treated or, you know, gone through any sort of process that, you know, changes its original state. So, you know, it's, um, it's definitely a little, if you feel it, you know, it's a little stiff. more stout. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> stiff, um, because, you know, jeans are obviously made from dyed cotton. Um, it's a very 
you know, particular process that, you know, denim goes through for them to be what we call raw selvage denim. And the, and the trade-off with that is that a lot of times we're used to buying jeans that, you know, they're, I, I say they're floppy, you know, they're a little softer and stuff. And so a lot of us are just used to like, that's what jeans feel like. That's not what they always used to be like. And so this part of it is a couple of things. One is that they tend to last a lot longer because they haven't gone through that, you know, treated process, which is huge, you know, for us, which is sort of how, at least me personally, I got into it is I was tired of buying new jeans all the time. And then secondly, when you wear them, they sort of become your own, meaning that you're, because there's no treatment done to them, they, they sort of wear to your body. And so that's actually really comfortable. I mean, after, you know, a couple of, <laughs> couple of weeks of wearing in, and then they get this nice sort of, you know, whiskering or coloring effect. And so, you know, the, the kind of the lines or like the patterning that happens on your jeans is really from you. You know, if you carry your iPhone in your pocket or your wallet in your pocket or your keys in your pocket, like over time, that's going to show up. And it's kind of a real interesting thing that it, I think that people tend to have a much more, you know, emotional relationship with their, with their clothes like that, where they've actually put the work in, which is an interesting way to think about it. But, you know, it is, clothing is a very personal experience for a lot of people. And so, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's probably, everyone probably has their different reasons for it. Now, for those, for those, for those listeners who won't have the chance to visit because, you know, you, you, you're not in Omaha, the, the, you guys are, you guys are on a pretty busy street, like, is it 13th? Yes. Yeah. 13th Street. And it's a building where it's got two entrances, like, it's an old, 135-year-old building. <laughs> yeah, it so was two it, buildings smushed together. Okay. Actually, at one point. Yeah. And, if, <laughs> and, if, and if you walk in, if you walk in the in the clothing store, well, the design shop is just the other door. Yeah. So there's not really, there's kind of a half a wall between them, or there's a wall. So so you guys are technically working in a retail environment, although although obviously you, because it's a, it's a small shop, if there's 1,800 square foot and it's mm-hmm. divided in half, it's not like, you know, it's not like a, uh, you know, a mega store, no. per se. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a very, it's a special specialty men's shops. But but you guys do now just have people walking off the street into your into your design environment. Does this does this um, <laughs> hinder <affect>? us? <laughs> yeah, I mean, were there good things about this as well? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you definitely get some interesting characters walking by. Like having a building that is sort of street facing and public facing like that, right on the sidewalk. You know, it's it's. I mean, from a retail perspective, it's great. I mean, it's absolutely like. I think you'd be. <laughs> really challenged in most scenarios to have, especially a startup sort of clothing business like ours in a real offsite kind of hidden location. We've got a lot of, you know, walk-in traffic I and mean, from people that just literally are walking by to people in the neighborhood that have come in. It's, it's really nice. And, you know, there is times, yeah, like, you know, we try and, you know, for example, we keep the grain and mortar door locked and we have a sign that says by appointment only. People are actually really good about like figuring out which is the store. And I credit that to... <laughs> probably the, the architects and all of our efforts to making sure that there felt like there was a delineation. You know, the window, the storefronts are different, the doors are labeled, you know, there's some wayfinding stuff, there's a Vincent sign. So we put a lot of thought into that because we didn't want interruptions in the studio happening all the time. But once people come in, it's really been interesting. I would say that probably almost half to 60% of people always want to know what's going on over there. And they'll, they'll, they'll look over and they go, what's going on over there? Yeah. You know, and so we, we tell, you know, we just tell them, so we run a design studio and some people are like really interested. They want to see, they want to know what it is we do. And 
it's actually, I mean, it's probably good for us better than not because, you know, there's people that find out who Grain and Mortar is or they're, they're just kind of interested. So I assume yeah. it's also helped you really hone your message more than you probably thought you needed to about what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you speak with clients, you can say, we're brand strategy science you and we do this and that. But when you speak with, you know, somebody just sort of randomly off the street that, you know, doesn't understand the, you know, kind of the state of design or the state of, you know, technology and design or how there's all these kind of avenues to go. Yeah, you definitely have to simplify that message. And some people already know, you know, our demographic is for the clothing stores, you know, I think in between about 25 and 60 now, probably laying right around particularly 35 to 40 maybe is is a pretty, you know, good group. So, you know, they know. It's like the idea that somebody's over there working on a computer making magic's not crazy to them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's been cool. And the other way around, you know, when, when clients come into the studio for we Grand Motor, yeah, we absolutely, you know. Would you like a uh, shirt on your way out? And, uh, it, you know, bringing them over I, and I showing them what's going on. I see you forgot to wear pants to our meeting. Yeah, you and Eric <laughs> both don't have pants up? on today, so there's that. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it is a really, like, interesting cross-pollination that happens, and I don't think there's any negatives at all. I mean, like, it's definitely different than what we had before. We were literally tucked back off the street. You know, there's not a lot of yeah, because before sort of public before stuff. the Mastercraft building, for those who are unaware, is really focused on technology companies mm-hmm. and, and a lot of a lot of younger and startups. It's a destination. Yeah. So it was it, <laughs> yeah, locked it, down it, with a gate. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't yeah, just walk by. I don't even I don't know how you would walk by. So <laughs> so everyone you run across in the hallway when you say you're a designer, they they wouldn't say what's that. They would say right. be yeah. more specific. Yeah. 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 Um, true. Yeah. No. Definitely. We thought about putting in our window maybe like websites four ninety nine <laughs> maybe like a flashing neon or something. But as a joke. Yeah. We just but decided maybe somebody it. would take us up on it. Call, yeah. Call us about designing. <laughs> you, you will have to ask Jesse about logos. The the oddness of things <laughs> that have been brought into the store though, because he seems to always find himself in these scenarios where people are bringing things in. Apparently, they don't know exactly what we do, so he'll, yeah, he'll let him tell you that. They're one. looking to, to sell some just little tidbits and stuff that they have lying around their house. So we've gotten people offering to sell us old postcards. Uh, my personal favorite was a woman came in carrying a samurai sword. Um, <laughs> that was like two weeks ago. At first, I thought we were being robbed, but then I... I realized that even if that were the case, that'd be like the coolest possible way to be. Just take what you want. You deserve it. You earned it. (laughs) Yeah. So so the 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 backstory on that is that there's you know some like coin shops and there is you know there's I don't know it'd be well like a pawn buy sell trade you know up and down. When I moved Omaha, way back when after I got out of college, there were like antique stores in the old market, Mm -hmm. and they slowly started closing as as that part of town became more expensive of rent, mm-hmm. and they seem to work their way towards where, where you guys currently are. True, mm-hmm. yeah. So over the last 15 years, that, that part of town, toys just fall over here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was maybe a person coming with a samurai sword. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, it happens here too? Yeah. Well, it's probably the same person. It's an epidemic. <laughs> yeah. What'd you have to get her, give her to get to get her out of the office? <laughs> but so so that area of town became a lot of antique stores. Um, not not all of it, but I mean, but a number of them, as well as pawn shops and, and so forth. So mm-hmm. so I assume that people were walking down and think. Yeah. Yeah, I I think they just they don't know and they 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 sort of see the first door that is retail and they don't know and they're they're trying to sell their goods. So My you know guess. it's kind of funny most of the time. Actually, all the time, it's funny. They probably didn't have super good luck trying to sell a samurai sword yeah. to a coffee shop across the street. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, we're going to be right back with Grain and Mortar. Mm-hmm.
So you guys, you guys work for some big companies, and, and some of them we, you, you can't talk about, like the projects. Yeah. So, so is half the reason you're doing this so you can actually design something you can show your mom? <laughs> you're like, yeah. hey, mom, mom, what are you working? Your mom says, hey, what are you working on? You can actually show her, like, hey, we got a we got a clothing store. Our parents think we fix computers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that's a lost cause. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's true that you know we we do have some you know we have some really big clients you know like Google and Facebook that and then you know we still have a lot of really small clients like in town like Dante and Coneflower Creamery and. Block 16, you know, so it turns out mostly food places, which I which think is, is awesome. so we can trade for food. And so, yeah, like becoming a, a client of yourself, you know, is, is really fun. You know, it's like you you are the client, you are the designer. And so I, as everyone in the design sort of industry knows, you know, sometimes the clients are the hardest part about a project. And so it's been really fun for us to design everything from, you know, Jesse handling all the branding and, you know, even the name, you know, really stems from kind of his vision to, yeah, where, where did the name uh, Vincent Outfitting Company come from? So Vincent was the name of my great-great-great-grandfather, Vincent Berkeley, who came to Omaha in 1856, or just two years after Omaha was established. And uh, he started, a, I think, one of the first, if not the first, clothing company in, in Omaha. And where was that located? That was on about between 9th and 10th and Farnham. Yeah, because town wasn't even as far as you guys are right then. No. no. Yeah, right. no, we, we were definitely be on the outskirts. It's a dirt field. Yeah. That's what it was. It would be amazing if we could, like, be in that same building. Well, but. unfortunately, like most of the buildings in Omaha, Pancakes. I don't think it's Pancakes, still around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> buildings only, by the way, I've read buildings only last about 136 years, and then you just, like, crumble mysteriously. <laughs> sounds about right. To, like, pancake things. So oh, you want to sell those. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on the market. And then yeah. a parking garage springs up from the ashes. Yeah. yeah. Just like magic. Yeah. Like magic. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but, you know, and then sort of it, it gave all of us a chance to pursue some of our personal passions. You know, Kristen and Jesse really helped curate, you know, the interior design and, you know, just, you know, what that what that feel is really like, which isn't something we get to do a lot for our clients. We do have times where we get to help them with, uh, you know, some sort of their more experiential design and you know, their environmental design and such, but it doesn't come up as much. And so really getting to do like the 360 view, even understanding like how people walk around the store and, you know, what emotion are they going to have? And, you know, there's been a lot of people that have come in and really said like, man, it just feels great in here, or, you know, compared us to stores that we really, you know, appreciate, you know, on the coast. And so that has been a really fun experience. And, you know, um, even for me, you know, I, I love e-commerce and uh, it's one of my passions. And so like, you know, I'm trucking away right now on our up-and-coming uh, Vincent e-commerce store. But, it, it, you know, it's really fun to, to be able to do that. And so, you know, sometimes client work, as we all know, isn't that exciting all the time. Uh, so having something that you're really passionate about, that you enjoy designing for, that is absolutely meaningful, has been great, I think, for all of us. And, you know, yeah, it's a lot of work. And, yeah, <laughs> there's woes that come along with it. But I think everyone would agree that overarchingly it's it's extremely fulfilling, too. So... Yeah. No, well I was I was there like a month ago. The space looks great. The the work you guys put into it to it shows. So so we wish you the best of luck. And and it's the holiday season, so you guys should be, you know come in, get some pants four on. Four or five samurai <laughs> swords a day will be coming to the <laughs> That's all I'm that's all I'm thinking. We might yeah. have to start a wall of stuff that we can also sell besides pants. <laughs> some of those are samurai swords or coins cool or coins. postcards or whatever else is coming to the door. So yeah. Yep. Okay. 
Well, thanks, thanks to everyone for listening. This is this is the uh, wrap-up of our Season 11 with Episode 19. By the way, this is Episode 1119. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. You gave us a... We knew that. Golden episode. We knew that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which, you know, we're recording from the 1119 corporate headquarters, so I, I'll <laughs> give a shout-out to myself here. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, we'll be back. We'll be back uh, in 2019 with Season 12. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks, thank, and thanks for stopping by, Eric, Kristen, Jesse. Yeah. Thanks, well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Beery is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dustlab. Find out more at myspace.com slash dustlab. Thank you.